um, and pain starts to, you know, to feature. And at that point in time, I start saying a mantra over and over and over again to myself. So our brains are only capable of holding one thought at any given time. We, we cannot multitask. All we're doing is fast switching between one thought and another thought. So I've got to control those thoughts. And when I say something under my breath, I'm reinforcing the concept four times because I'm using four different areas of my brain. Um, and we don't have time to go through all of that, but it's scientifically proven. So I'm saying to myself in time to the running, I'm strong, feeling good, strong, powerful, strong, feeling good. Because that's the only thing I'm thinking. Um, there's no, I'm not thinking about the pain. I'm not thinking about the distance. I'm not thinking about what kilometer I'm on. I'm controlling my thoughts to control my actions. Hi, welcome to the High Performance Athlete Podcast, the show designed to help you compete at your highest potential. My name is Mike Roscoe, the owner of SBR Sport. Over the years, I've worked with both runners and triathletes, from Comrades Gold medalists to podium level triathletes. I'm looking forward to having you on this journey with me, where we're going to speak to a lineup of experts, doctors, sports psychologists, professional athletes, and other thought leaders who will give you the tools and mindset needed to perform on a whole new level. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast to catch all new episodes and share it with your friends and training partners. All right, so I'm with Richard Wright. We have recorded a podcast a little while ago with Richard, uh, where Richard went through what has happened with him, uh, one of the South Africa, one of South Africa's greatest triathletes, and then his whole story with cancer. And I would really, really encourage you to listen to that podcast. One of the things we didn't touch in the podcast is what are you doing now? Um, I know that you're talking to a lot of people, inspiring people. Just give us some details about that. Okay, um, Mike, thanks very much for having me again. A yes. huge honor. Um, it's been it's been a wild ride, a cancer journey. So four years of cancer, three different um, cancer prognoses, and after I went into remission the second time, that was the fourth of December two thousand seventeen, I phoned up my previous uh, employer, Andrew Golding. For, I was with the uh, I was with the training national training manager for Pam Golding Properties, and I phoned up Andrew Golding. I said uh, the day after the fifth of December, and I said that's it, I'm resigning. And yeah. he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. And we had a three-month sort of tussle. And he was like, no, let's try and work something different. And eventually he said, actually, I need to let you go because he knew what I wanted to do. And I wanted to literally um, speak full-time, tell yes. my story and and try and influence people's lives and enrich their lives. And um, so two years ago, I started that and um, thinking, okay, I'm in remission now. And then cancer came back. And it was that immediate, oh dear, what have you done? There's no medical aid. You know, you're paying that out of your own pocket. There's no leave. No regular there's income. No, there's no nothing. No. No. And literally, you're as good as the last gig that you did or the next one you booked for. Yeah. And that was, that was really, really tough. And that, that I had to hustle hard and pretend. And again, it was that whole mind games, um, resilience thing that I think has got me through a number of Ironman events and something I'm really grateful for. And, and you know, we're going to be talking about triathlon and Ironman, and I, I, I can't talk about triathlon or Ironman without mentioning the fact that I believe that there is a fourth discipline that's probably more important than the other three combined. Mm. It's it's a swim, it's a bike, it's a run, but then it's the mental part. I yeah. know a lot of people say that the other discipline is nutrition, but actually, I think that's a that's a distant cousin to to the mental. It's mental. When sure. nutrition goes bad, is it's what you think about it that that pulls you through yeah. uh, at the end of the day. So, and, and that, I think, is the thing that I'm the best at out of all. I've never been the world's best cyclist. I've never been the best runner. I've never been the best swimmer. Put them together and then add the mental part and 
I can do okay. The magic happens, sure. So I've been speaking, um, and that's been amazing. I speak about uh, my journey. I speak about my cancer journey, overcoming obstacles, um, building resilience, talk about leadership. And it's been, a, it's been a wild, wild journey. And what's interesting, Mike, is that I went into remission for the third time at the beginning of this year, or end of February. Mm. And my speaking career really took off last year and on the global stage and I'm booked up and financially I'm finally getting my head above water and mm. getting to pay the medical bills, which have been massive. And my partner, Deborah, who, who we've been in a long distance relationship for two years, moved up from Port Elizabeth. And yeah. for the first time since my divorce nine years ago, I'm now living with somebody and life... So amazing. I'm in remission. Get better. This is so cool. <laughs> and then literally went into lockdown in South Africa. And within three days, I lost every single bit of my future income. Every gig, every conference, every event was canceled or indefinitely postponed. And I literally sat there thinking, oh my goodness, how much more resilience am I supposed to be able to have to do I have to show the world of myself? You know? I should become a pilot. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> it's 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 like wow. And um, kind of, what am I going to do now? How am I even going to pay school fees, let alone for the property costs and everything else? Like, wow. Am I, uh, and I really did. I, I had two days where I just had that real depression, deep depression kind of, is this my life again? At what point does this, does mm. this stop? Mm. And then I thought, you know, if there's only one person who can change this and that's you. Um, there's certain things you can't change here. There are a bunch of things that you can. Let's focus on the ones you can't, uh, that you can. And I picked up the phone to all my past clients, and I didn't even have a product. I'd never done a virtual keynote. I'd never spoken virtually before. Yeah. I didn't have a clue how any of those platforms worked. And I literally just asked the question, how can I help? That was it. How can yes. I help you? Yes. Um, and the result was phenomenal. So I've spent the last three months talking to 59 different audiences from 24 countries, almost 16,000 people. Imagine it's been that, the yeah. most incredible oh. ride. Oh. Uh, it really has. And I talk a lot about resilience and, and I think that that is another testament to it. Yes. Um, You've written a book as well? Mm. So, so that's also really exciting. By the time you listen to this, I'm sure the book will be on shelves, um, but it's due in about a week's time. The book will be in the warehouse. It's being published um, and uh, will be on the shelves. It's called The Power of Purpose and essentially talks about the last four years of my cancer journey, but it's more than that. It's about my life and the story of purpose and what that is for me and how important that purpose and the meaning is. Yes. And um, so I think to link that back to what we're going to be talking about now, and that is triathlon and Ironman, there isn't a single one of us that doesn't want to get to a finish line for a reason, a purpose, and a meaning. Yeah. And the bigger that is, the more likely you are to push through pain barriers, to push through um, barriers that you've never, you know, the biggest distance you've ever done, the longest race yes. you've ever done. Yes. Um, every single one of us has an internal story, and we're all doing it for reasons. And, and that's, that really is to be celebrated. That's, yeah. that's the power of being an athlete. And, and having those goals. And it's even more than that. What gets you up in the morning when the last thing you want to do is go for a run or a cycle and it's freezing cold. What is it that gets you up? It's yeah. the lure of the finish line, but it's more of more than that. It's more than that. It's, it's a life story. That's why yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. Correct. All right. Let's go all the way off to race day. You are sitting in Durban or East London or um, Port Elizabeth. And your alarm has just gone off. Let's take people through what happens on race day. What, what do you want to do as you wake up in the morning? Right. So you just said the alarm clock went off. Um, normally for me, if it's a big race, 
I am awake before the alarm clock went off. Yeah, and you haven't <laughs> slept well. I haven't really slept well. And nobody has slept well. No, so no, don't worry about that. No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> and, you know, you've got, you got one ear on the weather outside trying to think, well, what is the weather, what is the weather like? Um, and the other trying to sleep and thinking, okay, and, and then the turmoil of, if I don't sleep now, then I'm going to have a bad race. And, and then you realize, now, hold on two seconds, you know, you know that it's two nights before that it's the most important night. Friday night, if the race is on Sunday, yeah. is the night you really want to have a good night's sleep. But the night before, no problem at all. But it doesn't feel like that yeah but anyway the alarm clock goes off and for me it's normally four half past four and um what i want to do one of the first things i want to do is go into the kitchen make a cup of coffee and then make my breakfast yes and uh, i'll never try something on race day for the first time very important we all know that yep. or you should know that so the breakfast is tried and tested it's normally oats for me Oats is great and that I find it easily digestible, but it's enough to carry me for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I try and make sure that I'm, I'm eating at least two hours before the event. Yes, so that you give a chance to digest. Give a chance to digest. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to toe the line feeling bloated and full and like I've just eaten. I don't mm. like that feeling at all. And um, I mean, the day is long enough that you don't, and you're going to get so much food along the way. That's not like you have, whatever you eat now is the last meal. It's not like yes. that at all. It yeah. just needs to get you through the swim. Yes. That's, that's actually all it yes. is. And then I start getting my stuff ready and putting everything on. Um, and I'll make sure I put sunscreen on a, a bigger factor as I can underneath literally everywhere where I know it's going to yeah. catch some sun. Um, I don't like, um, we'll get to that just now, but I don't like smearing on a lot of suntan cream before the cycle or the run. I prefer to start with something that's very waterproof under my wetsuit. Yeah. Uh, so well, Just don't get suntan lotion around your eyes because I'll, I'll, that I'll, water comes through your goggles. That suntan lotion is the closest thing you're ever going to experience things for days absolutely <laughs> so i don't do that for, for me it's my cheeks down um, okay. i'm always going to have a cap on or a hat or something like that or swimming cap so i don't put uh, from from my from my cheeks up i don't never put any kind of cream on okay. um, and although i am I, I shave my head and i've got no hair um, and sometimes through a helmet that can be bad i'll put a very 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 thin layer um literally from the from the to the back half of my yeah, head with the little air holes on and, and that's really cover that. it, normally enough for me yeah. Um, so I try and get everything ready and make sure I've, I'm, I've gone through everything. Uh, everything, obviously, any of those big races, the bike is racked the day before and the bags are up. But I make sure I mix my, my drink bottles. Yes. And what I do for the long events is I've got one of the bottles between my handlebars that I... And then I put a concentrate. So one bottle there and one bottle of concentrate on the frame. And the concentrate will have enough for four bottles of juice in it. Okay. So I make it really, really... Um, you know, sweet and sticky mm. and then what I do when I get to a water point just before it I'll lift open the lid of the, the bottle between the, the handlebars put some of the concentrate in it and then all I need to do when I get past the water point is just grab water and yes. I chuck water and into that, that and in. it's mixing okay. in itself so, so that means I only have to have two bottles on my bike which is great yes. um, and I'm in control of my nutrition and that's really important for me Mike is I want to be in control of my nutrition from the beginning of the race to the end of the race. Yeah. Um, I, I don't normally, I, I'll never read before. And I think it's different depending on what your goals are. Um, and if you want to race really hard, um, you know, or, or it's different to if you know you're going to take a lot of time out there and you don't want to have all your nutrition on the bike. Yes. And then you might take bananas or energy bars or potatoes or whatever. Yeah. 
But if I'm racing, I don't want anything from the side of the road. Yes. Every single thing is, is on the bike. Is okay. on the bike or on me. And the big thing is to practice that beforehand. For you don't sure. want to sit there on day one um, trying now to mix stuff because that's also dangerous. You need Very to have dangerous. full control on the bike. Correct. And oh. I think for me, um, what I found out when I was really racing is that the training was more expensive in nutrition than the actual races yes. because you, you've got to buy all the goos that you're going to have or, or you know, the gels, whatever whatever product you use, power bar, whatever it is. You, you've got to buy all of that stuff for at least two or three long rides um, yes. and it gets expensive but yeah. it's worth it on the day it, yeah. it, it really is worth it um, I think it's, it's worth more than aero wheels actually is getting your nutrition right mm. on the day mm. so um, I'll mix the bottles I'll make sure I know exactly what I'm taking where um, divide things up into the various you know, into a bag but in, into my the bag that I take with me into the transition I'll have a separate bag for the run bag and a separate bike bag for the, the, the cycle b- um, bag so I really try and control everything I possibly can control yeah yeah. Um, I get down to the so a maximum of two cups of coffee for me and then try and get down to the transition. Uh, I'm never one of the first there. Cause it's, uh, you know, mm. the, the less time I spend hanging around there, the better. All um, the nerves. Exactly. And I know my timing. Um, and then you're always going to, from a parking point of view, you're always going to be fine. So yeah. you know, don't let that worry me. But then get into the transition. I tell my supporters where I'm going to be. Make sure that I've got my cell phone on me. They've got theirs on, on them so I can always find them. Yeah. Um, you know, hang on to your cell phone. And then off I go, check my bike, um, make sure that the tires are pumped. I never take a pump in with me. There's yeah, always, there's always a pump there's around. Always somebody that's yeah. got a pump, and normally yeah. the organizers have got a couple of pumps anyway. But I make sure that um, my, my tires are still hard. Um, I put nutrition onto my bike. I always put my cycling shoes, I clip them onto into the cleats and use rubber bands so that... Um, yes, they're in place. They're in place. But again, that needs to be practiced. You've if you're practice not confident, that. you don't want to go and wipe out or just Correct. after that... Um, Bike mount line. Correct. Yeah. So two little thin elastics and uh, off I go. Um, so I make sure the bike's ready and then I go and sort out the bags. I'll put the helmet, um, make sure the helmet, make sure my sunglasses are, are clean um, and put everything into the bags. And then always go and find a portaloo. Yes. That's like the best, Mike. There's, if you can find there's one. There's nothing else. But <laughs> that, that, there's always a queue. And, yeah. and it's part of... Do race organizers not get this? If, if there's one thing that athletes ask, what, what do you want more of? Toilets. You know, it no. really is like that. And especially for the woman. Oh, I mean, bad. it's just such a disaster normally. Okay. Oh, that's terrible. So, <laughs> so for me, what I know is that um, there's nothing worse than halfway through the cycle for having to find a port somewhere on the course and taking off the salt-crusted, <laughs> wet, tri- one-piece tri-suit. It comes off okay, but then once you've done what you need to do in this tiny little port you've got to wrestle this tri-suit back on again. Yeah. And, no, there's nothing worse. So for me, the best feeling in the world is just just having the best possible movement, um, <laughs> and then and then I'm ready to race. It's great. Okay. Um, and then heading heading off to the beach, I'll put on my wetsuit. Um, you know, find my my support crew. Make sure I've got. Lots Do of you use stuff on your legs like a? Um like Nivea or something like that so that the wetsuit comes off more easily or so I find Mike that, that I've already got the, the suntan cream on or the sunscreen okay, on and that's and sufficient. That normally is sufficient okay. um, if it isn't then I always use cream in my legs anyway so okay. the, but some kind of cream in your legs for sure yeah just to um, get that but what I do off. from a lube point of view is I'll lube my shoulders um, I wear a really tight wetsuit um, I, I, I'm a decent swimmer 
Um, so I like good movement with my shoulders. Mm. And mm. if the wetsuit is impeding that movement, I really hate that. So I'll mm. put lube on my shoulders. I'll put lube around my neck. Um, and then whatever's left on my hands, I normally just put around my ankles. So, so you don't use a piece of kinesiology tape on the back of your neck? Because one of the quickest ways to find out if people have done a triathlon is just have a look at their necks. And you see this big red roasty, exactly. you know, that they stuffed up the neck. I've never... So, so yeah. again, I think it depends on the suit. So yeah. I'm really lucky that um, I'm a brand ambassador for Orca and the suits that I've always had from Orca are just amazing. And yeah. I, I actually, even if I don't have lube, hardly ever even chafe. Um, okay. So quite lucky like that. But what I do, and I'll explain how, how you get the wetsuit fitting just now. But uh, so, so make sure I'm lubed. I get the wetsuit on. Uh, make sure I've got the cap and goggles. I've got a final gel in my hand. And I normally take that gel probably 15 minutes before the start. Okay. And I take a little bottle of water. So the water I'll just leave at the, there's always a little start table. Yes. And just leave it there because I know that you know, people will be able to, to clean up the rubbish there. Uh, but I'll go into transition with that. Goggles. Do you? Uh, I've always used a little bit of um, baby shampoo. Do you do that then? So or I don't. Don't so, you worry so, about so that. So what I do with okay. my goggles is uh, once I buy them or get them, and again from Orca, which is really cool, I will never, ever, ever touch the insides of the goggle with anything other than my tongue. And okay. that's how my, quite, might sound quite weird, but the minute you touch the inside of goggles with your fingers or you with a cloth or anything, you can say goodbye to the mm. anti-fog. Mm. So goggles, the only way I've learned over the years and years and years of swimming coaching and working with swimmers and swimming myself is do not touch the inside of your goggles with anything. Mm. Uh, and I always put my goggles into my cap after I've swum and then the cap goes into a bag. So the, the goggles never get touched by anything. Yes. Um, and then, so what I do... So we'll get to that now, but I go into the to the, the starting pens, and normally it's a self-seed start, so I figure out where I want to be. And the cool thing, if I'm not competitive, is, um, is you don't have to be near the front, and that's actually really cool about those, the, those rolling starts right now. Mm. If you're competitive, it's very hard. You've got to be near the front because you've got no idea who's in there. You don't know who's in your age group. It's, it's, I think it must be incredibly hard to race an age group with a rolling start. Yes, yes. Because uh, you just have no idea. You could think that you've won the age group and a guy comes from behind and beats you. How yes. Do you, how do you know? Yeah. So I think if I was racing, racing age group, I would definitely you know, try to get as far near the front as possible, but those days are long gone. Um, and then standing on the beach um, with the nerves and everything, one of the most satisfying things, Mike, is when you have the last pee in your wetsuit. In fact, I, I think you kind of haven't really done a, a triathlon properly if you haven't peed in your wetsuit. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to feel that little warm trickle. Absolutely. <laughs> and it goes down into the beach ah. sand and you kind of look around. Nobody even knows that you're peeing in the beach. It's amazing. So, and um, yet everybody's peeing. everybody's peeing in the beach. <laughs> so, so that's quite cool. And then um, what I do with the start, uh, especially the rolling start, it's not, you, know, you don't have that bun fight is as I, I, run, I run down to the water and I literally, my goggles are always under my cap. I've learned the hard way. I've lost goggles before. Yes. That if the goggles are underneath the cap, you're less likely to, to lose them. And I'll literally, as I get to the water, just put a little bit of water in them and pop them on my face um, and leave a tiny little bit of water in them. But that's enough for my goggles to be crystal clear the entire swim. And then what I do um, in one of the first couple of waves is as I'm going through the wave, I pull the neck of my wetsuit and I literally let all the water, as much water as I can possibly yes. get into yes. my wetsuit in. Um, and I shrug my shoulders around because these days you're not allowed to be in the water at all. And obviously the best way to get your, you know, before the start, and obviously the best way to get your wetsuit to fit well is to get water into it. Yes, so yes. I get as much water as I possibly can into it through one of the first waves. And just by doing that, snug as a bug. Yes. Awesome advice. So then off we go. And um, in the beginning, um, obviously, if it's your first triathlon, or for those of you that are listening and you might be wanting to do your first one, the most important piece of advice that I think anybody could give you is breathe. 
Yeah. <laughs> and immediately you hit the water. It's like, <gasps> it's so bad. And then you're so tense. And then what happens is your heart rate just goes, woo, into the red because you're not breathing and you and your stroke isn't anything like what it would be in the pool <laughs> because you are so tense and <laughs> short stroking and you look like a person who's doing a good impression, impersonation of somebody drowning. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And you've got arms and knees Man. next to you. Terrifying time. So this is, here's the thing. There's so much <laughs> that you cannot change about the race. You cannot change the other athletes. You can't change the competition. You can't change the flailing arms. All you can control is you. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. I think at any race, even when I was really racing um, competitively and wanting to win my age group and coming top 20 in big races as an amateur athlete, um, I never raced the competition. The minute you do that, you, mm. you, you, things are going to go, they're going to unravel for you. Absolutely. It, 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 it's especially an endurance race. The only person you can, you can race against is yourself. Um, and that's all you can really control. So for me, in, in, as soon as I get into the water, I'm starting to think of stretch forward and glide, get maximum reach for every single one of your strokes, breathe, um, concentrate on yourself, concentrate on yourself. And then, as you mentioned in our previous um, podcast, Mike, you have to break the, the race down. So for me, in PE, the first big triangular red boy is 300 meters into the sea. Yes. From the beach, 300 meters. All I have to do is swim 300 meters. Yeah. I don't want to think about the rest of the swim. I don't get want to through think the about breakers. anything else. Yeah, that's all I want to do. Yeah, the less energy I can expend, the better. So at this point in time, I think that that age-old analogy is 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 incredibly important for us to mention now, and that is the fact that you start a race with a full box of matches, mm. and every single time your heart rate pops up above your limit or above your what your average should be, yeah. you've taken a match out, you've lit it, and you one so match down. So lactate threshold point, and you're just getting more and more tired. That's it. Yeah. So the longer you can keep that matchbooks full, the more matches you can end up with, the better. I always say to people, especially for the first race, is hold back for the entire race. Hold back yes. until you see the red carpet. Yes. And then when you see the red Sprint. carpet, <laughs> go for it, hell for leather. <laughs> but until you see that red carpet, hold back back the best advice i can give you so for the swim and um, the only way i can control uh, the, only, the, the only way i can focus on the things that i can control is to focus on my thoughts and that that is where tenacity comes in and resilience comes in and emotional intelligence to say this isn't a race this is literally it's an activity i'm doing on my own and i need to control my stuff my thoughts everything yes. and i use my thoughts to control my actions so i'm saying to myself under the water my mouth's almost always open under the water i'm saying to myself push forward and glide, breathe, push forward and glide. Are your feet up in the water? Are you using, are, are, they, are they elastic, your ankles? Are yes. you getting enough thrust with every single time you kick? Um, are my hands equidistant, the point of entry? Um, am I swimming straight? Am I sighting every 12, 15 strokes to make sure I'm swimming the shortest path? Yeah. Am I rolling on, on, on a single line with my body? Am I using as little energy as possible? And I'm saying all those things to myself all the time. And by doing that, I'm controlling everything that I can possibly can yes. control. I can't control the swell. I can't control the temperature of the water. I can't control the other athletes around me. I, I can't control whether there's a chop, whether there's a side current. I can control none of those things. And the minute I focus on those things, if they are present, I'm focusing on the obstacles and I'm actually making it harder for myself. Yeah. I'm filling my mind with the negativity of whatever this negative thing is and it's going to make it so much worse for me. I always go through a thing where I go, you know what, there are 57 million South Africans, whatever the number is, and there are only 1,800 of us that are in this ocean right now and just magnify the privilege of that. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah, it's huge. So let's get through the swim. So, so for me, I literally try and conserve as much energy as possible, but try and get maximum length for every single stroke. I work on my stroke all the time. As my, uh, you know, high elbows, 
um, hands over the water, relaxed fingers under the water. Am I getting, the, you know, are my fingers apart slightly so I can get, you know, the water sticks to you like glue? Uh, you know, yes. Look at all of those things. And then in the last sort of 200 meters before I get out, I start to try and back off a little bit. It's not a sprint. Um, I, I don't want to try and sprint out of the water. I want to try and preserve as much energy as possible because the run up the beach, you know, you've gone from this prostrate uh, position to running yeah it's, it's always hard and and not enough blood in your legs not enough blood yeah and you're going to feel crappy and if you just walk that section on the beach that's actually fine yes. uh, don't try and sprint that and again matches you don't uh, you know that to pick up your heart rate just to look glamorous for a group of people standing on the side of the beach Correct. you've just burned through another match and you've only got like 40 of them Correct. and you've already gone through three or four just on the swim and now you've burnt one needlessly on, on that run to transition Correct. Yeah. what I always try and do before I come out of the water is try and look behind me and make sure that you know, there are no waves that don't get dumped I had a bad experience last year and broke my shoulder with a wave that dumped me um, <laughs> you know, one would think a swimming coach but anyway that happened um, and, um, and I didn't and I was your student for a while <laughs> look at so. that <laughs> look at that when the student beats the master. master there we go so you know but if you can try not to get tumbled that, that's always a win and if you can try and ride a wave in that's even better win yes. but what I try and do those last 200 meters is already project forward I start my focus is going to be okay when I get out of the water what am I going to do I'm going to run up the beach what am I going to do then I'm, if there's showers there I'm going to try and pause for a moment and just get the salt water off my face even if I can just do that yes, yes. I'm going to take my wetsuit off until it's around my waist I'm going to take my cap and goggles off and put them into my one hand yes. and then if there's a trough of water I'm always going to go through the trough of water to try and get the sand, sand off my off, feet yeah. and try and remember what is your race number Richard remind myself where you know, which row are your, are your bags in and I'm doing that while I'm still in the water so I'm thinking ahead all the time. Yes, yes. And I think that's really important. So I get out of the water, run up and you know, do the whole shower thing, feed through the trough if there are, try and get the, the sand off um, and then find my bag. And then the things that have really served me well. Do you, do you use a, um, a wet, wetsuit stripper? And, and it's just qualify what that is. That's someone who <laughs> gets out of you off your wetsuit. Um, wetsuit. Mike, the only, the only time I'll do that if I'm batting to get it off my feet. Okay. Um, then I'll, ask, I'll sit down and ask somebody to yank that off. Yeah. Um, but I've learned the hard way. I, I had a bad experience where I was in a, in, in a one-piece suit, but I can't swim in a one-piece suit because my shoulders are really bad with that. So I sort of rolled the piece that goes over my shoulders and my torso into the wetsuit and the wetsuit stripper came along and literally just pulled down my wetsuit boom and my entire tri-suit came down with it and there I was standing in transition butt naked um, and nobody even batted so the role of the stripper changed <laughs> <laughs> and nobody even bats an eyelid it's just like you know this is like so normal but anyway as I learned I learned that way that you know if you if that's what your situation is just take it off yourself <laughs> but the th things I've learned is um, I always wear socks so whether I'm racing an Ironman and I want to win my age group, take the time to, to put socks on. Because yes. um, what I do is I run through the parking lot with socks or wherever the transition is with socks on, and it just softens the tar a little bit. Are you running with socks, running. but not, in, not with the swim? You're going to put those on? No, no, no. I put, I put them on. Uh, a transition. On transition. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Okay. So I put the socks on. And the cool thing about the socks is if you have got um, uh, sand on your feet, you won't chafe. Whereas yes. if you just put the sandy feet into your cycling shoes, you very often yeah. chafe. Yeah. So I always, always wear socks, and that's really worked well for me. Yes. And the other thing is running over a car park that's got little stones in it. It's just that extra little layer of protection. Um, it's worked well for me in the past. If it yeah. means you go through a pair of socks every race, doesn't matter. So be it. Yeah. 
Um, so again, I, I don't, I, I'll never leather on sunblock. I don't, I just don't like that feeling of this stuff caked on my skin. Um, at most, I might just dab a little bit on my cheeks and my, my nose and lips. Mm. Um, and then off I go to the bike. Um, obviously, helmet's got to be on. I've also learned that when you're really, really hot in the day, it's quite cold uh, not to put your sunglasses on until you're on the bike or just before you get onto the bike because by the time you get to the bike, they've missed it up and you can see nothing, Yes, which isn't great. So I, I, I don't put on my, I don't strap my feet in straight away. I, I try and get clear of the start line. Yes. I, I literally the elastics, my, 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 my cleats are attached on elastics. I put my feet on top of the, of the, the, the shoes and I just start pedaling like that. Interesting socks, especially important with that Durban transition. Yes. Because, I mean, you can be running for a, for a long, long time. I've worn through a couple of pairs of socks on that Durban Just on transition. that Durban transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a race yeah. in itself. It's, yeah. oh, it's far. And it should come off the, the 21 at the end. It, but it doesn't, Mike. <laughs> it, it doesn't. doesn't. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the socks thing, is, it, it, that's a big tip for me. Um, and then I climb into the bike. And I'll wait until I'm sort of, I can, can coast a little bit and then comfortably put my feet into the, the shoes and then and then fasten them. Obviously, also leave your bike in an easy gear. You don't want big chain ring, small chain ring at the back. Very and, good and, point. And sit there and Very fall good point. off. So yeah. always make sure um, before I get, you know, when we're sorting out the bike that it's in the, the gear I want to start yeah. off. Yeah. Um, and then what, I, what I'll do is um, I'll normally put a little bit of water or something like that into my back pocket from my transition bag. Um, and then one of the first things I'll do in the bike is try and spray off my face with just water, just okay. to try and get rid of the salt water. I even put some through my helmet. Um, I find that the more salt you've got on your body, the more likely you are to lose um, water from within your body. Obviously, osmosis is yes, going to go yes. to where the okay. concentration of salt is higher. So getting salt off your body is really important, and I try and get it off my, my face straight away. Um, and then the first little bit of the, the cycle, I always back off. And that's really important, and it's hard to do because the ego is at play. Yes, yes. And the cyclists coming past you, and you feel like you're looking for parking, and these guys are like screaming past you like they're in the Monaco Grand Prix or something like yeah. that. But what I like to do, especially when I'm racing, is I take numbers. So as they come past me, I remember the name, and I remember the number. And in those days when I was racing, um, you know, if 20 people passed me, there was a lot. Now it could be hundreds because I have a decent swim. My bike sucks. But um, when I'm racing, I take numbers and I dig doing that. I'm like, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember you. But I'm just going to hold back. And for me, the, the best way to do an endurance triathlon is to have a negative bike, bike split. Okay. So the first half of your bike is going to be slower than the second half of your bike. Yes, yes. If you can get that right, you've got it it's yeah, sorted. Yeah. Because the, 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 literally... An endurance triathlon is all about the bike. It's yes. what, whatever happens on the bike is going to determine how you're going to run. Yes. And the more matches you burn on the on the bike, the more you're going to walk in the run. Yes. That literally is it. Yeah. And the problem is, once you've burnt those matches, once you've gone too hard on the bike, you, there's no going back. You can't ever do over. That so kind stuff. of just ease on that bike, get your heart rate slowly up, get the change in muscle usage going. There we go. Get get a flow within your legs. So what I will try and do is I'll try and pedal easily. So I'll try and spin a little bit. And then as I get as my legs get into it, I try and keep the same cadence and just pop up the gears slowly. Mm. So um, you know, within the 10, 15 Ks, I'm getting to some of the bigger gears and I'm starting to, you know, push a little bit harder, but it's still the same cadence and I got there by just spinning my legs over. Yes, yes. Um, because you can't really feel your legs, because you can't you know, you're still used to that feeling of swimming your legs haven't got blood in them yet. It's very, very easy to go too hard and you're yeah. always going to pay later. Yes. And what I do is I've so I'll set an alarm on my, um, on my watch. Uh, sometimes I wear two watches. I'll have a cycling computer and another watch, and that'll be my nutrition watch. So I'll know there'll be an alarm that goes off every 20 minutes that says, okay, it's a gel, or it's a third of a power bar 
um, whatever it is, some, some form of nutrition every 20 minutes. So when racing. would you get your first? Would you try and get nutrition in, in the first few minutes on the bike? Absolutely. Or, okay, so you, you really want to kind I've of just start gone, getting topping the carbs up the whole way through. That's it. So Got it's it. a 70.3, I've gone half an hour hard with no nutrition. So already I'm half an hour. Yes. Four Ironman, I've gone 50 minutes or an hour with no with nutrition. With no nutrition, so you so want to start topping up. Put some, absolutely, Mike. Got it. So for me, it's every 20 minutes. And then I've got, the, you know, uh, um, I've got Cytomax, what I always use in my bottles. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pedantic about the time when I'm racing. Yeah. If I'm not racing, I'm just trying to get through it uh, half an hour something every half an hour and then I don't mind just using a normal watch yes um, obviously what we didn't uh, tap on is as I get out of the water um, or when I get into transition I obviously lap my watch and then lap yes. it again as I get into the bike yes. it's nothing worse than not lapping it and you just had a hundred and and 83.8 kilometer swim swim <laughs> and you've broken every swimming record yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not the best so i like doing that um and then i set it on heart rate i, I try not to look at my average speed uh, i set yeah. it on heart rate it's important for me because that's all i'm watching because that's the that's the matches i know that when i'm racing an ironman hard 158 beats per minute is my is my max yeah and i need to try and keep it down to sort of 150 or below 150. And if I can do that on the bike, I'm going to smash the run. Okay. The minute I go over 160, even if it's on a hard climb. you busy I'm burning matches. Burning matches. Yeah. So hard climbs, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those riders where I'll take the hills easy. I'll even sit up on the hills. Yes. Because I know yes. I'd rather sit up on the hill and smash the downhills than As you crank. crest, have, have a bit of freshness in your legs and to you build up your average speed. Correct. There. Yeah. And yeah. again, you watch the people who come smashing the hills past you and know that you're going to pass them at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know where the water, water points are, and I'm, I'm quite good like that. I know how much water is left, and I make sure that I'm, I'm really you know, looking after myself all the time. I will also make sure that um, every sort of hour, at least, I'm stretching a lot on the bike. So stretching my shoulders, getting my head down, looking at different angles, mm. um, pushing my, my you know, stretching into my calves, my glutes. Would you stand on, on, on the pedals? Absolutely. Just to straighten your body up a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. And Got then it. on the heels, I also try and stand on the heels. Yes. Just different yes. body position, different muscles. Drop one or two gears, stand, sure. work those muscles. Got it. And then last 10, 15 kilometers of the cycle, I'll try and back off a bit and try and spin more. Just try and get the legs... Um, get some of the lactic acid out if I can just by spinning a bit um, and try and get my breath back a bit and then the sort of last nutrition just before I dismount uh, about a K two Ks before I know I'm going to dismount I will uh, undo the shoes and put my feet on top of the cycling shoes okay so that I don't have to take them out when I dismount my feet are literally sitting on top of the shoes yes, so yes. as I get to the line I just literally hop off my bike um, and then start running next to the bike and yeah. the shoes are on the bike I also try and stop in a position where the shoes are at um, three o'clock and nine o'clock, yeah. Uh, because if they're not, if they're like, if there's a shoe, because that shoe can dig in, it's going to get nailed. The shoe <laughs> and damn, it's just horrible. Yeah. So, so that's what I do. Then uh, run into tr transition um, when we're allowed to take off the helmet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then all I'm literally doing, I've got socks on already. I'm just putting on my running shoes, getting a cap, getting so glasses. So don't change socks at that point. Don't change socks. Got it. Same pair of socks. Cool. And off I go. No, no, no um, suntan cream if, you know, if, if I don't need it. I normally don't. Um, my skin handles the sun quite well, which is cool. And again, same as the cycle, as you mentioned earlier, the sooner I can get some, even just some water in me or, or something, the better. 
On the bike, I forgot to mention, is that almost every single water point I get, get past, I'll take water, put the water into my bottle that, you know, with the concentrate, yes. and then the rest of the bottle I will spray my face. And I, I know if, so if you I keep I, cooling yourself keep down and get the salt off. Get in with the salt. Get Got rid it. of the salt. Okay. I will spray my wetsuit down. I'll spray my legs down. I put a lot of water on me on the bike. And yeah. the more I can do that, the more the salt I get rid of and, and the less, I'm, less water I'm going to lose. Yes, yes. That's important for me. Yes. And then the run, again... Even if you walk the first couple of kilometers, you're going to save yourself later in the day and you're going to do less walking. Yes. Um, those first three, four Ks are critical. And I'm, I'm, I'm pedantic about what, looking at my pace. And the minute I think I'm going a little too fast, back off. doesn't matter how good I'm feeling. I could feel like I'm going to smash the marathon at 4.15 a K and come in under you know, 3.30 in the first couple mm. of Ks. Mm. And I've learned the hard way come kilometer five. I'm suddenly looking at it six hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's really important. And that's so much discipline because there are crowds there and you kind of want to fly out there looking like Kipchoge, um, but you, you don't want to do that. It's all, uh, Ironman and endurance triathlon is all about the ego and it's all about your own self-discipline. It's all about running to your race and sticking to your plan. No matter how, who comes past you, no matter how you feel, yeah. you are in charge of you and that yeah. is critical. Yeah. Um, so for me, th that's what it is. And then, um, I'll, I'll sponge myself off as much as I possibly can. I get to a water point, I take sp as many sponges as I can, sponge myself off, get, you know, get rid of salt, try not to fill my shoes up. Um, I used it's a big thing. Yeah. I used to love uh, racing flats that had holes in the bottom with a mesh. Yes. The water went through. Yes. I haven't been able to find them in shoes that I like for a long time. So I'm quite careful about not getting water into my shoes. So the thing is to just get enough water on that sponge so that you can get moisture into your tri, tri top and pants, but not have like a liter of water then running down into your shoes. Correct. Because once you start blistering, it's also fun over and no. you're going to kind of hobble to the end. That's it. Yeah. And so those little, those little water packets, those sachets as well, I'll bite a tiny little hole in them and then spray a tiny little sprayer of my legs. So yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not the whole sachet that's going into my shoes, but it's enough. And as I'm running, the water's bouncing off. Yes. Um, so again, practice that. You know? Yeah. It's not, not a bad thing to learn to do. Um, and I'll normally have some kind of strategy depending on whether I'm racing or just wanting to get through. And even if I'm racing, my strategy is if you're not feeling great, walk the water points. The, from from the, yes. the first person you get to, walk until you've finished on the other side, throw your cup into the rubbish and then pick it up again. No shame in that. Rather do that and conserve energy, conserve energy, conserve energy. Tons of research done on that, that the level of muscle damage that uh, you don't that that you save yourself from by just walking those water points um, in fact ends up giving you a better marathon time than had you run them obviously unless you you're the elite of the elite yeah, yeah. and you trying to break the world record but i mean and, and then you then you're practicing differently then you're practicing coke with a squeezed cup while you're sprinting through so yes you don't get all you over your face. coke all over <laughs> and bees swirling around you fantastic yeah. that's, that's, uh, that i've never i've never heard that before about the walking mic so thank you yeah. just goes to show it works um so so that's what i do and then I, I try very hard not to count the kilometers i think if you're running a marathon and you're sitting at kilometer 17 and then you're trying to work out how many kilometers you still got to go it's like mind blown yeah um so I'll, I'll, it's one kilometer at a time that is it yes and i know when it gets dark and it's always going to get dark that I know I can push through almost anything. Yeah. Um, I just need to back off a bit. Instead of trying to overcome too much, 
just back off until you get to feel a bit better. Getting dark, you're talking psychologically. Psychologically. Just that moment where that, that voice crops up and goes, what are you doing here? Correct. Yeah. Um, and pain starts to, you know, to feature. Yeah. And at that point in time, I start saying a mantra over and over and over again to myself. So our brains are only capable of holding one thought at any given time. Yes. We cannot multitask. All we're doing is fast switching between one thought and another thought. So I've got to control those thoughts. And when I say something under my breath, I'm reinforcing the concept four times because I'm using four different areas of my brain okay. um, and we don't have time to go through all of that but it's scientifically proven so i'm saying to myself in time to the running i'm strong feeling good strong powerful strong feeling mm. good because that's the only thing i'm thinking um there's no i'm not thinking about the pain i'm not thinking about the distance i'm not thinking about what killing me down i'm, I'm controlling my thoughts to yeah. control my actions and almost adjusting that central governor when it's all about a lot the of psychology governor. behind that yeah. absolutely yeah. so i'm i'm religious about doing that but it's got to be words that work for you I know before this chat, we talked about Lance Armstrong and his mantra was um, pain is temporary, failure is forever, pain is yes. temporary. But I mean, he was racing from a point of anger and, and lack of a father figure and yes. a whole bunch of his own stuff. And But if I'm saying that, all I'm saying to myself is pain, failure, pain, failure, pain, failure. I'm like, okay, let's just stop now because this is, yeah. you know, uh, uh, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Some athletes get themselves angry. There we and go. Lance was one of them. I think Rennie was one of them as well. She would, she would um, get to the point where she hated who she was racing against. Wow. Um, and so, so, so I suppose so if that works for you, that's great. You. But, but for some people, that's a little bit too negative. Rather come from that positive. And yeah. I know it really works for me. In fact, yeah. as you know, I've got words tattooed on my arm. And I even looked down at some of those, tenacious, um, powerful. Um, and that really works for me. And then when it's getting very, very dark. And the support in any one of these major races is phenomenal. Yes. It is amazing. Yes. But it costs you. Because every time you know your number is printed on the on the front of it, hey Reg, you're looking great. Hey Reg, not long to go. You know, hang in there. And number one, you like, oh, you're lying through your teeth. There's no way <laughs> I'm looking great. But every time I'm that guy who I acknowledge every single traffic uh, metro cop at every single intersection. Yes. I say thank you to everybody. I, I re and I like doing that because that actually takes my mind off what I'm doing. I'm acknowledging and recognizing people around me. Yes. That, that's it's worked for me. Um, so, and try it. It will probably work for you. And, and, and trust me, it works for those volunteers because they get very little of it. Yes. But whenever somebody says, hey, Rich, looking good, I feel like I need to high five them or turn around and say, hey, thank you. But every time I do that, I'm taking my focus and my discipline away from I'm strong, feeling good, strong. And I look at a point in the floor, uh, the, the gravel or, or road about five meters in front of me, and I literally fixate on that. I'm concentrating so hard. That's the mental part of this thing. And every time I get distracted, I've now got to pull my thoughts together. Yes. So what I do is I roll my race number over and I tuck it into my belt so people can't say, see my name anymore. So only the people who know who I am, and there are not many of those, are going to be able to say, hey, Richard, looking good. Okay, if you feel that that's getting too tiring. That's exactly. But I, yeah. even if it's not getting too tiring, I know that that's how I conserve energy. Yes. And again, I'm happy to walk the uphills and run the downhills. I, you know, whatever the strategy is, however I'm feeling, um, you know, conserve, 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 conserve. Yes, yeah. Um, matches, so, matches, so matches. So that's my strategy. And, then, and yeah. then the final thing, Mike, and this is probably the most important thing out of all of this, is that last kilometer no matter how you feel, no matter how sore you are, you start to gear yourself up for that finish line. Yes. And, you, and you, you're talking to yourself and saying, okay, when we hit that red carpet, we are going to run. <laughs> it doesn't matter how we yeah. feel. Yeah. That's what it is. And I hit that red carpet and I sprint. It's like, you know, and high five everybody going down the lines and just, just, just take the time to savor that moment because how many times are you going to savor that moment in your life? It is magnificent. Yeah. The carpet is yours. Um, it's the most amazing, amazing feeling. And that's when I kind of let go. Um, and that's it. And remember the smile remember right the at the smile. end. You want to leave two, two 
calories left uh, just to get there, do a fist pump, fist smile. Pump and smile. Yeah. So that's the strategy. Um, and um, it's worked for me well in the past. Um, I've given advice to a lot of other people and worked for them. And I hope it will work for you too. So whatever the race is that you are planning, whatever it is you're going to do, hopefully some of these tips will work for you and will give you your, your perfect race. But just to say something about that perfect race. Um, when you're talking about an Ironman, so a half Ironman, 70.3 is still something that you can race and you can have a perfect race. You can string together a perfect day. But over an Ironman, even the winners, very few people have a perfect day. I don't yeah. think there is such a thing. No, yeah, There's right. always going to be something that goes wrong. Whether yeah. it's a puncture, mechanical, throwing up on the side of the road, the race is that long that you can, you can, you can pull it back. You can get yourself back in and, and don't let it get the better of you if you feel like you're not having your perfect day. Yeah. Because there isn't. Slow down, work out if you're dehydrated, if you need more food, if you need to walk you for need two or three Ks, drinking, if you need whatever to stop, it is. whatever it is. Yeah, you sometimes need, you need to stop drinking. Sometimes you've got to put your finger down sugar. your throat and get rid of whatever's in your stomach. Yes. I've had that too. Yeah. So, you know, try and figure out what it is, try and solve it, and then move forward. But don't beat yourself up and don't think, oh, my race is gone. Um, there isn't such a thing as a perfect race. Yes. Richard, um, you mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast, you're doing a lot of speaking to a lot of businesses, inspiring them. Um, You're active on social media. How, how do people find you? Oh, I'd love it. Come and add some joy to my life and I can hopefully add some joy to yours. So you can find me in all the major social media, find Richard Wright or I am Richard Wright, one word. Um, and my website, I am richardwright.com. Yeah. Come find me there. And yeah, I'd love to love to spread more love and enrich your life in some way and have you enrich my mine. Yeah. And as a business, you're never going to regret that. Um, again, the parallels between life and endurance sport are huge. And when you've done endurance sport with cancer, you really do have a value add to everybody that's ever going to listen to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me.